<clears throat> What's the human brain? Modern neuroscience has established a link. A pulpy mass of cells and fibers. I see the meaning of the universe. Is the center of the network of fibers that make up man's nervous system. I feel like I can float and stuff sometimes. Extending upward into the skull. It's basically an earthquake within the body. The brain. What's the matter? You smell like sewage, you disgusting pig. You look so nervous. You're acting so scared. They're looking at you. They're looking at you. God. What are you even doing? What are you even doing? You're making a fool of yourself. Just stop. Seriously, just stop. Look, look left. left. No. No. Look, look right. right. No. You're doing no. everything You're doing wrong. You're doing everything wrong. Listen, Listen to me. me. Calm down. Calm down. Breathe. Breathe. Meditate. meditate. Do your meditation. Do your meditation. Don't panic. Don't panic. panic. You're okay. Talk, Talk to, to someone. someone. Take, Take your medicine. medicine. It helps you. It helps you. You're gonna be all right. You're all right. Breathe in and out. And out. When were you diagnosed with schizophrenia? Long time ago. More than more than twenty years. More than twenty years? Yeah. And you're from Hong Kong. Yeah. Your family and uh, how do they cope with it? They just treat me. I am sick. They treat you like you're sick. Yeah. So what is it like? You hear voices. You hear voices. And your mind goes crazy, crazy, crazy. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to another episode of What's the Matter. I'm your host, Mrigang Shell. On today's episode, we'll be talking about one of the most misunderstood mental illnesses, schizophrenia. I'll be speaking with a patient who is living with this mental illness. We both took a cab ride together on a rainy day in Toronto. So bear in mind, there will be some background noises. And we also have an expert guest who dealt with one of Canada's most provocative cases involving a schizophrenic. So let's get started. The man who beheaded a fellow passenger on a Greyhound bus may soon be walking the streets of Winnipeg unsupervised. Vince Lee, the mentally ill man who beheaded and cannibalized aboard a Greyhound bus in Manitoba, will be allowed to leave his mental hospital without an escort. Vince Lee is schizophrenic and was found not criminally responsible. After years of medication and therapy, doctors believe he presents little risk to the public. He will be a risk to public safety for the rest of his life. What if he chooses to stop his medication again? Shall we all just wait till it happens again? Shame on us all if we do. Shame on us all if we do. Gank. Say the first part, first syllable. Mri Okay. Gank. Mri Gank. Yes, that's right. That's a little hard. <laughs> Vince Lee, as he was formerly known, has been released back into the community. He has agreed to continue taking his medication and also to regularly meet a mental health advocate like this man. All right. Maybe you can just introduce yourself. Go ahead. Sure. I'm Chris Somerville. Uh, I was born in Birmingham, Alabama in 1952 and moved to Canada in 1985 
And for the last 22 years, I've been the executive director of the Manitoba Schizophrenia Society, as well as the CEO of the Schizophrenia Society of Canada. The more I talk to people, the less it seems they know about schizophrenia and about the content itself and what it is. People watch movies and people kind of just relate schizophrenia to people who are psychopaths or have a psychotic episode. Maybe you can just briefly tell people what schizophrenia is in layman's terms. That's a great question because indeed there are a lot of misunderstandings about schizophrenia, what it is and how you treat it, the, the different severities of schizophrenia and even the question of whether people living with schizophrenia can uh, recover. But schizophrenia is, according to the World Health Organization, potentially, and note that I do say the word potentially, the, the most devastating of mental illnesses that we know of. So what we're talking about is a mental health problem or mental disorder or a mental illness, people use various phrases for it, that interferes with a person's ability to think clearly, to manage their emotions, uh, to make decisions, and to relate others. So basically, people have faulty perceptions, inappropriate actions and feelings, and oftentimes will withdraw from personal relationships. And others might view them as sort of living in a world of fantasy and delusion with a sense of mental fragmentation, we might call it. What's the onset of schizophrenia usually? I've read things where it usually happens in the teenage years. Is that correct? Yes, that's why it's sometimes called youth's greatest disabler, because one in 100 Canadians, uh, and this is true across the world, will have some form of schizophrenia. And it generally develops in late adolescence and early adulthood. So let's say an age range of 15 to 25 is when it most often has its development. Most often, the feature of schizophrenia, uh, which is a form of psychosis, so let's just back up a little bit and talk about psychosis. Psychosis is when you lose contact with reality. That is, you can't distinguish between what is real and not real. And schizophrenia is characterized by psychosis. So we're really talking about psychosis, a loss of reality. And the beginning signs of psychosis, the prodromal period, psychiatrists call it, would be the following. The person, the person has, has difficulty, difficulty screening. screening out distracting information and sensations. They may have a hard time in focusing or understanding what they are hearing. Changes in perceptual experiences, things like lights are brighter, sounds are louder. They may feel overwhelmed, find it harder to keep track of what they are thinking or what they are trying to say. They feel disconnected. They may want to be left alone. They have sleep disturbances. They might become suspicious. So basically, a general change in their personality. personality. So the simplest answer is if a parent sees significant change in their son or daughter's personality, that generally indicates some sort of mental health problem or mental health concern, or it may be the prodromal signs to something like schizophrenia. If you have somebody in the family who also has schizophrenia, does that increase their chances of having this mental illness? Uh, there is a slight increase. For example, if you have a parent with schizophrenia, then your chances of developing schizophrenia are about 10%. Uh, if you're an identical twin, your twin has schizophrenia, then you have somewhere of a chance of 40 to 50% developing schizophrenia. But because of the wonderful world of epigenetics, we've learned now that how genes express themselves are influenced by one's environment. So that can be in utero, that can be early childhood. 
the question of whether it's genetics or environment or whether it's nurture or nature, it's a combination, but we're not sure what the interplay is. We do know that many people who have schizophrenia will talk about significant trauma periods in their life. So there's a correlation in terms of how the gene expresses itself. That expression is influenced by one's environment. Can you just tell us what kind of signs and symptoms people with schizophrenia suffer? Most of the times when you see a movie or a show, they just go straight to uh, visual hallucinations, people seeing things. But that's not accurate, is it? It's uh, A lot of schizophrenics just have auditory hallucinations. Well, that, that's the most common hallucination is hearing voices that are distressing. Not all the voices are bad or negative or distressing. In fact, some people, when uh, they receive appropriate care and treatment and the voices go away, they especially miss the good voices because the good voices were comforting. What kind of voices do you hear? Uh, people talking. What do they, they say? They comment on everything I do. They comment? Yeah. On everything you do? Yeah. What kind of comments? Some are negative, some are positive. But they said, I want to die. I want to commit suicide. I don't want to be a human being. How many voices do you have? I have a, lot, a whole society of voices. A what? A whole society. A whole society? Yeah. They're like ghosts. Like ghosts? Yeah. And all in English or? In English and in Cantonese. Hello? You are so We're your only friends. Let me clarify about symptoms of schizophrenia. There's actually four types of symptoms. The first is positive symptoms. And positive symptoms means things that are there that shouldn't be there. And the classic two positive symptoms are hallucinations, uh, having to do with one's five senses, the most common one being hearing voices that are distressing. The other positive symptom is having delusions. And that's a fixed thought that has no basis in reality, that God is talking to me and telling me to hurt someone, or that the RCMP uh, have tapped my telephone line or something like that. Uh, so that's the that's, positive symptoms. I think that's symptoms. the RCMP calling you right now. <laughs> yeah. When it first started, how did it start? I hear voices and they tell me what to do. They came to be God and tell me what to do. I just hear voices. Just little voices? Yeah. What did they say? Do you remember in the beginning? No, I don't remember. But when I was hearing them, they, they were commenting on my life. I was doing something physically with other people, mm -hmm. and then they comment on it. So like a running commentary, like a narration. Yeah. I Suppose see. I drink something hot, and they say the voice you said is hot. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, yeah. it's hot. So, so is it like? Is, was it like you, you're thinking to yourself? Or? Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, I'm talking to myself, but not other voices. A ghost is talking to me. A ghost talking. Yeah. And is it a male voice, female voice? Um, both male and female. Both male and female. And children and uh, and adult. Children and adult, male and female. That's interesting. Yeah. And the whole society. The whole society. Did you okay. did you recognize any of the voices? Were they new voices or did you like? Oh, I know that person. Do you realize something? Someone on the radio uh, or TV. I recognize their voice, but then I don't. I don't really know them. I see. Okay. 
The second symptom would be what we call negative symptoms. And that's not negative thinking, but it means that a person lacks motivation. Sometimes they come across with emotional flatness or lack of expressiveness, uh, inability to start and follow through with activities. Uh, Their speech may be brief and lack content. There's a loss of pleasure in life, and they may lose the ability to, to recognize social clues and may falter in their relationships with other people. And can become socially reclusive. So those would be the negative symptoms. The third uh, set of symptoms would be cognitive symptoms. And that refers to your thinking process. So people living with schizophrenia may have some loss of executive functioning, which is in the prefrontal cortex. And your executive uh, skills have to do with memory, organizing your thoughts, going shopping and knowing the directions to the store and dealing with crowds and sounds and being able to accomplish your task of shopping. And then finally, the fourth symptom may be depression. And that depression may be inherent to the illness, or it may be the person's response to dealing with all the confusion that they're experiencing in their mind. We went to one home where literally the entire living room was filled with holes in the wall from the child punching the wall. And there was one that was a very large hole. And we said, what happened there? And she said, the mother said, well, that's where my son threw his brother through the drywall. My daughter, when she was 13, um, was hit by a car and uh, fortunately was fine, except for a very bad broken leg. The church organized uh, a brigade of, you know, casserole makers. The neighbors brought casseroles, friends, families, everybody. Six months before that, Christina had spent two months um, on a psychiatric ward, and we had no casseroles. And, and, and I'm not blaming the church or the neighbors or anything because of the stigma. I mean, we didn't tell people. And this, and this is a story that we don't tell because it's shocking. We tell because it's common. It's all around us, and we were surprised by that. Uh, a lot of people keep it in, they keep it quiet, there's shame attached. Everybody talks about the stigma attached with mental health, and it's real. It's really real. Why do you think it takes a parent to see some sort of these symptoms instead of the patient itself coming out and talking about them? Why is schizophrenia such a taboo topic to talk about? Well, it is one of the most taboo subjects to talk about. No one wants to be thought of or seen as crazy, nuts, a nut bar, being a loose screw, batty. Stupid. You're so stupid. Wacko, psycho, none of us want that label on us. So stigma is the number one reason why most people do not come out of the closet, so to speak, or go and get help because of how society has portrayed schizophrenia, as you said earlier, in movies, in the media with the high-profile cases, just those myths that are out there in society that people think of when you say the word schizophrenia. On the next Dr. Oz, everybody wants to know, am I normal or nuts? Should you be worried? This behavior is... It's not normal. Have you gone completely insane? I mean, sir, have you gone completely insane? Completely insane people go outside, suck on a rock, and bark at the moon. I think it's ridiculous, actually. Um, He's nuts. Fundamentally, I don't think he should have that right. I don't think that I should have to worry about it. I don't think that I should have to be looking over my shoulder or wondering. There's people across Canada that I have met who give powerful stories about the devastation or the traumatic 
effect of living with schizophrenia. Most of them will say that the worst thing about living with a mental illness like schizophrenia is the stigma and the prejudice. That's what hurts the most. Chris also says that it's important to mention that not all people living with schizophrenia are symptomatic all the time. Sometimes they may be taken to a doctor or voluntarily go for a checkup. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you see it, they seem completely healthy. That's because the patient might have pulled away from their psychotic episode and is just not displaying any of the characteristic behaviors as mentioned earlier. To be diagnosed with schizophrenia, you have to have at least one of these positive criteria. According to the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, you must have at least two of the following symptoms, delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, disorganized behavior, negative symptoms. So you have to have at least two of those five. And then at least one of those symptoms must be delusion, hallucination, or disorganized speech. And furthermore, the signs of disturbance must persist for at least six months, one month of active symptoms like hallucinations or delusions. And then other, you know, other causes of the psychosis have to be ruled out, like uh, thyroid problems can cause psychosis, uh, certain medications, uh, if it's cannabis-induced psychosis. There are other causes ruled out, and, and then a diagnosis uh, may be made of schizophrenia. So how do you stop the voices? I need medication. How much does a medication work? It works pretty well. What's the percentage it works? 80. 80 percent? Yeah. But there's still 20 percent remaining. That's 20 percent. That's not working. You're right. Mm. Anything uh, else you do that helps besides medication? Well, I say, I say the opposite of what they say. They say I want to die and I say I want to live. I say the opposite of exactly what they say. Yeah. So like the yin and the yang. Yeah. <laughs> so you take medication and you say the opposite of what they say. Would you be able to tell us some of the treatment options that are available for schizophrenia? Probably more to do with uh, lowering dopamine and uh, other neurotransmitters. Well, that's uh, a theory. It's a hypothesis that too much dopamine in certain regions of the brain leads to the delusions and the hallucinations. One theory of the cause of schizophrenia is to do with the neurotransmitter called dopamine. The theory states that people with schizophrenia have extremely high levels of dopamine, or they have too many receptors that attract lots of dopamine. Usually dopamine is needed in the brain to give you that euphoric feeling, a feeling of well-being and happiness. So you can see why, if we flood the brain with an unorthodox amount of dopamine, your brain might not be able to handle it, and your mind might become unhinged. Studies have shown that schizophrenics have higher numbers of dopamine receptors in their brain, and this theory is also substantiated by treating the symptoms of schizophrenia by giving medications that block dopamine D2 receptors within the brain, thereby lowering the level of dopamine overall. Treatment of schizophrenia, the most common myth is that, oh, you just treat schizophrenia with medication, so make sure they're taking their medication. What do the doctors tell you about schizophrenia? Did they uh, mention anything specific to do? No, they just take medication. Just take medication? Yeah, and the medication helps, yeah. Okay, that's good. 
In all actuality, people who get the best mental health care for the treatment of schizophrenia or psychosis will receive a combination of treatments. So, for example, medications, which are called neuroleptics or antipsychotic drugs, but that's very experimental. The doctor has to determine the cluster of symptoms, determine the antipsychotic medication they believe will suit or fit better with that person, taking into effect side effects, and then they have to determine what amount, what dosage level to give to the person and that can vary and so it can it can take several months to find that right combination there are different routes of administration that is how you can take the medication it can be oral tablet form or liquid and also injections uh, they now have injectable medication that can last up to three months so you only take the injection four times a year they are working on an injection that you only take once a year. But other than medication, the other thing would be psychosocial interventions. So using principles of psychosocial or psychiatric rehabilitation, those interventions are used to help the person to regain their functional abilities to be able to function again in life. So that can involve clubhouse-based programs, housing programs, built-in support, counseling, and, and case management. Also used would be various talk therapies like cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy. And a newer one that's come about in the last couple of years is what's called acceptance and commitment therapy. That again is not only trying to help the person how to think, but do preventive care in terms of dealing with the effects of the schizophrenia. Some people will need counseling talk therapy for unresolved trauma problems. Even though we don't know what causes schizophrenia, we know what triggers mental illness. It's stress. And so because the brain of a person living with schizophrenia or any mental health problem is sort of sandpapered down, whatever's going on genetically, that sensitivity in the brain, it has a greater sensitivity to stress. Going to the grocery store, catching the bus, uh, navigating the potholes, that's a lot more stressful to people who are experiencing depression depression, bipolar disorder, or, or schizophrenia. And so if a person still has unresolved trauma, that's going to be stressful. If they don't have appropriate housing, uh, that's going to be stressful. If they don't have adequate income, that's going to be stressful. And so it's much more than medication. It's uh, stress management and also providing the community supports and services that help people to reintegrate back into society with the least amount of stress. I feel calm when they don't say anything. Uh, when you don't say anything, then you're calm. Yeah. Right. Sometimes is, they don't say anything. Is it difficult when you're having a conversation with someone else, like you and I are having a conversation? Do you get confused when you when hear, I hear your voice? You hear my voice, right? Yeah. But if someone else starts speaking in your head, is it confusing for you to respond to me because no. you have no? I can recognize what is the what's the voice and what is you speaking. I see. But you never have a, a hard time keeping track of the conversation. No. All right, you had mentioned Schizophrenia Society of Canada, which, and you're the CEO there. You do a lot of work there to raise awareness. Can you tell us how do you raise awareness and educate the public to help reduce the stigma on schizophrenia? 
Well, there, there is a lot of uh, stigma. Uh, let me just give you a couple of the myths around schizophrenia. The most common myth about schizophrenia is that people with schizophrenia are dangerous, that they are violent. And then when you have a high-profile case like the person who uh, ran over a policeman, I think it was in Ottawa with a shovel, or the Greyhound bus incident that we had in Manitoba 10 years ago, they connect that all together and say, yeah, you know, just keep them away from me, keep them out of my backyard and make sure they take their medication. 95% of people living with schizophrenia are not violent. True, there are some that do become violent, but that's generally associated with the following. Use and misuse and abuse of substances. And they have a history of volatility. That is, their personality is given to sort of being uh, antisocial or something like that. So it's not just the schizophrenia in and of itself. It can be, but in most cases, the violence arises out of schizophrenia symptoms, uh, paranoid delusions, especially command hallucinations telling you what to do, and misuse of substances and volatile personality. The other myth is that uh, schizophrenia is multiple personality or split personality, and uh, it's not. It's not dissociative disorder. Some people believe that schizophrenia is caused by bad parenting. Again, that's a myth. Some people say that people with schizophrenia aren't smart. You don't lose your intelligence when you develop schizophrenia. Are you a spiritual person? Mm, yes. Yes. Do you go to church or... Uh, no, I don't, I don't go to church either. No. I don't wear a church because they they say too much about God. I see. Are you more scientific? Yeah. yeah. What did you do here before? I was studying. Studying in University of Waterloo. I studied general science, physics and chemistry, and mathematics. It was in the 70s, 1970s. I studied four years, but I only graduated from three years. Oh, wow. At least I'm, I graduate. I'm sure you're a smart guy. A lot of people say we just should lock them up and keep them in a mental health hospital. And again, the vast majority of people, because of the newer medications and the different options of treatment, they can live successfully as good citizens in the community. And then the one that aggravates me is that, well, people with schizophrenia can't recover. Well, yes, they can. There are seven longitudinal studies recognized by the World Health Organization that demonstrate that up to 63% of people living with schizophrenia can come to a place of living beyond the limitations of the mental illness, can reintegrate back into society successfully, and with a sense of meaning and purpose and satisfaction. So we call that quality of life. I think this is a great segue into this part of the interview. I didn't know if I could ask questions like this, but if you don't feel comfortable answering them, you don't have to. But uh, Vince Lee was uh, just released from his custody and he's been given full discharge and I, I wanted to go back to the thing you said about uh, you don't like it when people say schizophrenia is uh, not treatable and I'm just gonna play the devil's advocate here many people say that there should be some sort of conditions and he shouldn't be released what would you say to put people to rest when it comes to him being fully discharged being able to live back in the community well, that's a great question, and I, I did approximately about 50 media interviews uh, this past week, uh, including the New York Daily Mail, and it was even on Fox News down in the States. 
Yeah, well, I don't, I don't mind sharing about the story of the person who used to be called Vince Lee, who is now known uh, by Will Baker. Uh, I've worked with him for nine years. I know his psychiatrist, his mental health worker, his forensic worker, and I actually met with that team uh, every other month when we met with um, Mr. Baker to discuss how he was doing. And so, remarkably, he has responded very well to medication and counseling that he's received. Uh, his, his body or his brain is very receptive to the medication, no significant side effects. He lives with a sense of shame and remorse and guilt, which uh, prompts him to want to stay on medication. He was given an absolute discharge by the review board last week, which means that he's technically free to go and not forced to do anything. So some in the public, or many and most in the public, are asking, well, why not at least have one or two conditions like you must take medication and you must see your psychiatrist. Well, the review board was following the decision of the Supreme Court a decision that was made in 1999 that if a person deemed not criminally responsible because of a mental disorder, if they come to a place in their recovery in which they are not a significant threat to the public, then the review board has to make a decision of absolute discharge. And so, you know, most Canadians are, are rather upset or aggravated by that. Some people see him as a criminal, not a patient. Some people believe that no matter how well he gets, he should be in a hospital or an institution for the rest of his life. The one thing that everybody wants to know is, can you guarantee he will not reoffend? Well, there are no guarantees in life on anything. He poses such a low risk that when the review board looked at nine years of assessments, psychological tests, and uh, talking with his treatment team and, and with Mr. Baker himself, they concluded last week that uh, he met the conditions to be absolutely uh, discharged. Mr. Baker has expressed numerous times over the years, and even this past week, that he wants to continue to see his psychiatrist. He wants to continue to see me. He wants to continue to associate with several mental health organizations that are here in Winnipeg. 99.9% .9 of the people don't need to be fearful because they're never going to see him or be around him. He's a very quiet, gentle person, soft-spoken, acts as a gentleman. He has no high-risk factors such as drug use, involvement in gangs, no unresolved trauma issues other than what happened on the Greyhound bus, has never had any altercations with other patients or anyone in society in the last 10 years. So his risks are, are very low. I don't expect to convince people who are, are fearful. If they, if they don't want to believe the facts, that's one thing. Uh, there are people who do believe what I'm saying, but they say, Chris, there's still that chance isn't there. And so um, why not have at least one or two conditions on him? And in fact, if those conditions were placed on him, like take medication, see a psychiatrist, he wouldn't be opposed to that. People that are deemed not criminally responsible because of a mental illness, only 1% of them have committed homicide. Most have not committed murder that have that designation. And then when they go back into community, the recidivism rate, the reoffending rate is only 7%. Whereas people coming out of the federal correctional system, their recidivism rate is, is nearly 50%. So if I had a choice between living next door to Mr. Baker or living next door to someone coming out of the federal correctional system, uh, I would I'd rather live near Mr. Baker. Thank you.
just a quick revisit. You were saying you actually got hate mail because of this? Uh, yeah, for the last nine years, every time the review board met, I would uh, get um, a slew of um, emails, uh, nasty, vulgar. People say, you must be crazy, Chris. I mean, I have gotten all kinds of hate mail telling me where to spend eternity, uh, where to shove my head. Or, you smell like sewage, uh, you disgusting sh- pig. Um, Wacko, psycho, crazy, come down. Jump in front of the cops. Go on, go on. And, uh... And I myself have struggled as well with mental health problems and uh, such things as suicidal ideation, uh, major clinical depression, depersonalization, derealization. It's one of the most scary, painful experiences in my life that I've ever had. I was reading a newspaper article and uh, it quoted you as saying that this has been one of the most positive experiences that I've ever had in working with a person with a mental illness. What did you mean when you said that? Yeah, I remember saying that because I wished every person that I have met and I know who has schizophrenia did as well and responded as well as Mr. Baker has in terms of his system, his his body responding to the medication, his willingness to learn how to manage his mental illness, his low risk rates in terms of risk assessments. His personality is very amicable. It's been a very positive experience. Uh, It doesn't mean I didn't have concerns and worries when I first met him. I was not exactly comfortable, but very soon thereafter, you know, became very comfortable with him. So it's been a very positive experience. That's why his treatment team and his doctor refer to him as a perfect patient or as a model patient. I wish that for everybody that experiences an enduring mental illness. I think that healthcare plans should and victims should have a right to psychological supports when uh, something as horrible as this has happened to them. Uh, One of the reasons why I'm so passionate about my work is that I have a brother who lives with schizophrenia as well as a brother who suicided that had bipolar disorder and my father as well, similarly bipolar disorder who suicided. Every time I have done an interview and even as I do this uh, interview with you today, I always think beforehand, what if it had been my daughter on the bus that was killed? So, you know, I, I think I have compassion and sympathy for the victim's family and the mother and the, the ongoing grief and loss that they will experience. And finally, I just want to know where can our listeners get more information about mental health and resources and support and what can they do if their family members are showing signs and symptoms? If a person is showing signs or symptoms or their basic personality has changed, there's just a drastic change in their personality, go talk to your GP and then your GP may recommend a psychiatrist. Certainly bring it to the attention of the guidance counselor uh, at the school and work collaboratively towards getting some help. It may be something mild, it may be something uh, very serious. You can certainly go to the websites of the various provincial schizophrenia societies, CAMH, they have one of the best websites on uh, mental health and mental illness and schizophrenia. The Canadian Mental Health Association is another organization that works closely with people with various mental illnesses. So there's a lot of information out there and our goal is not just to change people's attitudes. We want to change people's actions. 
we can say that certain actions are wrong and we don't tolerate these actions. So our anti-stigma campaigns or, or promotions are, are geared towards uh, stopping the discrimination. Because many people will say, I don't want to live next door to a person with schizophrenia. I don't want my daughter dating a person with schizophrenia. I don't want my children playing with a young person who has schizophrenia. For any family member that's dealing with schizophrenia in their family, their loved one, and they're just feeling really hopeless, let me just say that there is hope and hope is fundamental to recovery. So learn as much about the recovery philosophy or recovery principles, connect with a mental health organization uh, that believes in recovery and connect your loved one with a peer support worker who has lived experience of schizophrenia and they can talk about what has helped them in their recovery. Uh, although there's not a cure for schizophrenia, because of what we know about the brain, the studies from epigenetics and neuroplasticity, the advent of talk therapies like acceptance commitment therapy, we're doing a much better job for people and outcomes are much more positive than they were 20 years ago. So hope, yes, that's what recovery is all about. Thank you for joining us on the interview. You're welcome. Okay, thanks, Chris. Appreciate right. it. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. And thank you all for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and like this podcast on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcast from. Also, if you would like to keep this podcast going, please go to patreon.com slash mshell and become a patron. See you guys on our next podcast. Till then, goodbye. You read Bible? Yes, I read the Bible. It helps. It helps. Oh. Read New Testament. You know? New Testament. For, New Testament. For instance, Jesus casted 40, mm. you know, for that guy who was living alone. You know? Yeah. You can read it in the New Testament. Mm. You see? He healed him. He casted out them. You know? Right. Mm. Go away, basically. But uh, so this is a spiritual. I, I respect. I respect the Bible, you know, and I respect anyone who reads the Bible. And uh, if it helps you, definitely do it. But there are some people who also say that, hey, maybe if you're hearing the voice of God, maybe that is also a part of a mental illness. You know, maybe you think it's the voice of God, but it's maybe something that is not you supposed see. to be there. You know, you yeah, see. the voices came to be God. Can you, can you the voice, through yeah. stress? Some voices, not yeah. all of them. Some voices, what? You say it again? Some voices came to be God. Oh, not all of them. Some voices you, uh, are God's voices, but not all. Yeah. See, see sense. what I'm saying? He, he's saying that he hears the voice of God. I know, but, but we don't know, right? But, but you don't know for sure. You just, you just know they came to be God. Right. You see, the scriptures is there for yeah. you to check out. Okay.